today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC. Hey there, we're live at the Nasdaq market site on this Friday afternoon after a big week for the markets. Guys behind me getting oh. ready while they're doing that. Here's what's coming up in the show. Look at what YouTube just did to media stocks. And there's something in the charts that suggests it's about to get worse. Plus, miss the rally in large cap tech? Relax. Because there's one name reporting next week that some traders think is a real sleeper. We'll give you the name. And later, Mike Co is a way to buy Baba for less than two bucks ahead of earnings. We'll break it down for you. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. Let's get right to it because we are officially more than halfway through earnings season. And check out some of the names reporting next week. MasterCard, Pfizer, Under Armour, Apple, Starbucks, and Tesla. So which should you buy? Let's get in the money. And Dan is looking at a, a sleeper pick. Yeah, you know, if you think about this earnings season, it started off with bank stocks, and they acted pretty decently for all intents and purposes. We didn't see big moves one way or another. For the most part, then we moved into industrials last week, and we saw some really big moves. And now we're seeing mega cap tech. We see all-time highs, massive eye-popping moves. So, you know, when I think about the the cadence of this earnings season. Now we start to think about maybe some consumer names. We know that consumer staples act really badly. One of the worst sectors today was retail. But I want to take a look quickly at Starbucks. They report next week. The options market is implying about a 4% uh, move in either direction. That's been the average over the last four quarters. This one's pretty interesting to me because it massively underperforms the broad market. It's down about 1%. It's down 15% from making 52-week and all-time highs back in June. And since it reported in late July, its fiscal Q3, the stock has been trading for the better part of the last three months. Look at that right there, between 53 and 55 bucks. So when I think about the earnings event next week, I think about expectations that aren't particularly high. The stock gap down in late July after that earnings print because they actually guided this quarter's sales, same source sales, down below expectations after beating them. The way I think about it this way, as I look at the earnings event next week, if they were to beat the fiscal Q4 this past quarter, same store sales, and they were able to leave fiscal 2018 uh, estimates intact, uh, consensus is looking for 15% EPS growth, 10% um, sales growth next year, I think this stock bounces. I think it could fill in that gap over the next few weeks back towards 60. And I want to do it with defined risk. All that being said, why I want to do it with defined risk is that if they do guide down, the stock's going straight to 51. I mean, that's just it. So to me, I want to look at December expiration. I want to give this thing some time to play out if the stock were not to actually immediately pop on this. But today, when the stock was trading at 55, you could buy the December 55.60 call spread, paying $1.30 for that, buying one of the December 55 calls for $1.47, selling one of the 60 calls at 17 cents. That breaks even at 56.30. You have gains up to 370 between 56.30 and 60 bucks. Um, and that's where you're capped. Uh, to me, I like the risk-reward of this trade. It gives you pretty near-the-money participation. Playing an event, we know it's really hard to do that. If you get the direction wrong, it's going to be hard to make money on this thing. But I like the risk-reward, and I like the sentiment setup. Yeah. Mike, what do you think of the trade? Uh, I do like the trade. I, th I think, you know, we've said this many times. Do you think it's, you know, a reality or realistic to assume that the stock could move a buck and a half between now and Christmas or, or thereabouts? And I think the answer to that is clearly yes. I mean, they still have some areas that have real potential growth. They never really took off in Europe, but they have done pretty well in Asia. That's still an area of growth, probably 20 percent potentially there, although it's, you know, relatively small percentage of their business still. Uh, and same store sales, as you point out, is really going to be the operative thing because I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, growth outside of that in the U.S. 
I mean, I think Dan started out, and, and often is the case, with managing the risk, because there's a lot of risk to this, and you know that, right? So um, when a stock drops and gaps on its earnings, it's very rare that it's isolated, right? Typically, just as when you gap up, you 13 weeks later often gap again, because uh, good news is obviously not modeled in. The street's under, and then they miss it again, and it gaps again. The fact that it did drop and gap on its earnings on July 28th, and that its relative strength since then has been so poor, I would say the risk of a gap down, just what you're citing, that 51 level, that seems like the higher odds bet. Yeah, but, you know, uh, but you're managing let me tell you what I got looking at this stock for. Nike had a gap, and Foot Locker's really bad earnings back in August. The stock right. gapped, I think, 10% mm -hmm. or something like that. And it spent the last month and a half also kind of in this consolidation period yeah. near the lows. And did you see what happened this week? They had an analyst meeting. The stock rallied into it. And it's up about 10% in the last week or so. You know, so to me, I actually think investors are looking for stories where maybe the news that Got him down a couple months ago. It's not going to keep him and down. And it does happen. Remember IBM. IBM. Uh, we're talking about a gap Dude, up. In, look at in, Intel. In, yeah. Look at GM. Look at all these Twitter. stocks that have rallied 30 oh, percent in, in like a month and a half. Gap up in a strong stock. Google, Intel. Yeah. Like you're picking. That's different, right? But a stock that has a preceding gap. The burden of proof is on the bull because most often this next gap is also. If you had your druthers, Carter, which way would you say this? I mean, you think I mean, again, the stock is lower? The, I think the odds are higher that it's lower. I mean, they do look. They also have new management in there. We're still sort of playing out to see mm -hmm. whether the company. Every last time Howard Schultz left the company, they had a problem. He came back. They obviously recovered. Now we're going to figure out whether the new management team yeah. is really able to deliver. I you think. know, this is a really good discussion about playing things into events. I mean, at the end of the day, I wouldn't buy Starbucks playing for that gap fill because I don't know what the you know the numbers are going to be. I don't know what the probability of success. But I like the risk reward of buying a December call spread that gives me more than six weeks for this to play out. If nothing happens, I'm still in the game. If the worst case scenario is it sells back off to the lows, I've only risked one thirty, and it could be down three four dollars or something like that. So I like the risk reward here, and if you think that maybe the sentiment could change in a raging bull market, this is a stock that people will come back for. All right, now let's go to Alphabet, surging to an all-time high today after reporting better than expected earnings. Now, last night, one of the key and perhaps most overlooked drivers of the quarter was the stunning performance of YouTube. Josh Lipton's in San Francisco with more on that angle of the story. Hi, Josh. Melissa, Alphabet does not break out YouTube's numbers, but CEO Sundar Pichai did reveal new metrics on the conference call with analysts. He says the platform has over 1.5 billion users who, on average, spend 60 minutes a day on mobile. But here was the big number that really caught people's attention. Consumers are now watching 100 million hours of YouTube from their living rooms every day now, and that is up 70 percent in the past year alone. So why is that important? While the company has said in the past that the majority of viewing takes place on mobile devices. We are seeing a shift that could directly compete with traditional TV. YouTube has been laying out this strategy for some time now. Traditional pay TV distributors are losing subs. In Q2, it was the worst quarterly loss ever, with an estimated 941,000 subscriber losses. YouTube, of course, trying to capitalize on the cord-cutting trend. We've been seeing in this industry, they're also investing in new original content, launching a slate of ad-supported original programming and partnering with the likes of Ellen DeGeneres and Kevin Hart. For them, the push into products like YouTube Red or YouTube TV seems to be working. It's paid TV service launched earlier this year, but again, you have competitors like Amazon, Hulu, Sling TV, Direct TV, all in this space, trying to tap into the live streaming market. Pachai did not reveal any sub-numbers for YouTube TV, but did say 
It's now available in 15 metro areas. Melissa, back to you. All right, Josh, thanks a lot. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. Well, those YouTube numbers are putting some pressure on the traditional media stocks. They did today at least. Viacom, Disney, CBS, Discovery, all lower. Viacom falling more than 2% today. Chartmaster sees more carnage in the space. So break it down, Carter. Yeah, I mean, this has been a very bad space, not just today, obviously, but uh, uh, almost chronically so for the last uh, six, nine months, a year. And I think the real insidious thing is, is that they were such outperformers. So um, take a look at this. Look at this relationship. This is the S&P 500, and, and this is the S&P 500 media index. It's about 16 stocks worth about $800 billion. And you can see that of the last sort of three to five months, they've diverged. And you can say, well, maybe we could play for convergence, meaning get long media. But watch the next chart. Watch the orange line. It's media on top. Media was such an outperformer during this bull market that this recent weakness is really quite nascent, quite uh, new. And so go back to this. I think this is just the beginning of what will be much more trouble for, for media. Um, so that's the uh, group itself. Here's Viacom. Here are your lines. You've broken trend. I mean, that's quite clear. Yes, the idea is that a break in trend typically will follow through to the downside. And um, now let's talk about, look at this. Look at this. I mean, you're talking about a stock that peaked in 2014. Equities, it's almost impossible not to be up. Viacom straight down from the group of which it's a part. How far could it go? I mean, anywhere your imagination wants it to go. But the only thing I can say you could see is this. That's a pretty well-defined formation. That's the 09 low down over here. I mean, lower. Sell. Wow. Options, trade. <laughs> options are the only way to press a short in a stock that is trading about one-third the valuation on a historical basis that the S&P is. This thing's trading about six and a half times next year's earnings. Both the equity and actually the options market, too, are saying that there's some real problems here. I was looking to January, the 22 and a half, 20 put spread. You could spend about 70 cents for that. We're using a 22-and-a-half strike, actually, because the strikes are about $2.5 apart. That's the first out-of-the-money strike we could get on this thing. You know, this is a company that has some really troubled assets. We were talking about it right before the show. I mean, MTV, VH1, these are the things that we watched when we were kids. My kids, they don't touch this stuff. Probably don't know what it is. They don't. They, <laughs> they don't. I mean, I was thinking, when's the last time I even realized that these channels exist? Was when I was on the airplane and I accidentally hit the channel button too far and it went all the way up to those upper reaches where, you know, it's that and like the country music channel. This is, this is the kind of stuff, I mean, they don't have yours. And we can see where they're going. And they're not going here. So it's a real, they have a real problem they need to resolve. Paramount Studios also had yeah. some significant underperformance. Yeah, as far as the trade, you know, you're going out of the money, you're risking a certain amount to kind of get to a, back to a certain level that it has not traded at in, what, seven, eight years or something mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, the only thing that I worry about is such cheap valuations. You know, you look at the sum of the parts. We look at really what is causing this. You just said it. It's Google. It's Facebook. It's going to be, well, obviously it's Netflix, but it's going to be Apple. It's going to be Amazon, that sort of thing. I wonder at some point if those guys, if Jeff Bezos just says, doing what he did with Whole Foods. You know, I mean, he just takes it in a studio or something like that. It's funny that you Jeff Bezos because what other sectors have valuations that are as basically as cheap as this? Retail, names like Macy's. And they're facing the same wow. types and of and co competition. Plunging, and, 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 and that's right. And every yeah. single time right. you try to draw that line in the sand and say, it's so cheap, it can't get any cheaper. What happens? Good People well. realize that the business is really deteriorating severely. And that's when they go lower. I mean, it's 24, 25 bucks. The 09 but, lows are... 
Question for you, Carter. Why, why wouldn't you play Disney back to like 90 rather than I mean, pressing this one that's, that's down a so much? Franchise, but I, mean, yeah. I think the most important thing here is it's not idiosyncratic to Viacom. It's yeah. Dish, it's Disney, it's CBS, it's the ad agencies, it's the public group, it's OMC. The whole thing is under so much pressure. It would take a lot to fix it. Yeah, but it, when you take a look at their closest comps, though, this is the one that's the worst of the group. That's really, I yeah, think, Yeah, but it's the also issue. down from 90 to 25. What I'm saying is, is that Disney, there's an obvious the level. The price level doesn't matter if the underlying business is deteriorating. I know, Mike, but, I mean, the idea of pressing a stock that's gone from 90 Which to 25. Which is why we're losing options. I mean, we're risking 70 cents. Okay. Obviously, he doesn't like your trade. That's all right, though. <laughs> for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our scary good newsletter. What are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. No, it's just shares of Alibaba. But if you miss the move, we'll tell you how to get long for just $2 ahead of earnings. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. The Nasdaq soaring to new highs today after blowout earnings from Alphabet, Amazon, Intel, and Microsoft added roughly $150 billion in market cap today alone. In case you're keeping score, 94% of tech stocks have beat estimates so far, and it's not over yet. Four more tech giants are set to report next week. Facebook and Tesla are on Wednesday. The options market's implying 5 and 6% moves, respectively, for those stocks. And Apple and Alibaba are reporting on Thursday, Apple implying a 4% move in either direction, while Baba could see a 5% move. Together, these four names could represent an $84 billion shift in market cap. And Mike Coe's got a way to buy one of these high flyers for less than three bucks. He's over at the plasma with this call to action. Hey, Mike. Sure. We're going to talk about using a call spread risk reversal here. We're looking at Baba. We're obviously targeting a catalyst in this case. It's earnings, which they're going to report midweek. Uh, importantly, elevated options premiums are what we're seeing, implying about a 5.7% move, which is larger than the last couple that we've seen. Also, this is a stock that's up a lot. So one of the things we're looking to do here is risk less than if we were just going out and purchasing the stock here. So taking a quick look, we're going to be, you can see the kind of move that we've seen. And basically what I'm trying to take a look at here is I don't want to take, if it's going to move 6% to the downside, that's the risk essentially I'm trying to avoid. And if it moves 6% to the upside, that's what I'm looking to capture when I use something like a call spread risk reversal. So looking at the weekly options, I could buy the 175 calls that expire next Friday for $5.70, sell the 182.5s against it for 270, and then sell the 162.5 puts at 125. In fact, this entire trade you could do, that's $1.70, for slightly better than that, around 10 o'clock this morning. And I was actually trying to put this trade on. I lost my market data. By the time it came up, the stock actually had rallied sharply. So this is a trade I'm going to be looking to put on on Monday. I didn't actually manage to get into it today. Dan, what do you think of the trade? I like the trade. I mean, I think the most important thing here is recognize the fact that worst case scenario, you get the direction wrong, the stock goes down a bunch. You're basically being put the stock at the premium that you're spending uh, plus that short put strike, 162 and a half. So if that's a level that you'd be willing to buy the stock, if there's some bad news on the earnings, then you should feel pretty good about it. And just about the choice of expiration, you know, I like a call spread risk reversal, targeting event, short dated. So you're just doing one week. You're not giving it a ton of time here. It's trading the event. And if you're wrong, you're going to move on. Yeah, when, I mean, when you use trades like this and the expirations you choose are relatively long dated, sometimes they don't behave exactly right. the way you think they will. This is one of those situations where you're going to know the answers next Friday. Right. And if it goes through 175, it's actually above there right now, runs up 282. Now, this will be a winner. If it falls, 
obviously you're essentially getting long the stock at 162.5. The options market is impl implying a move of about that size or less. So that would represent, I mean, the stock closed right above 177, so that's a $15 decline essentially if you get down to that 162.5 level. Uh, that would be more than the options market's expecting. So that downside risk, you know, it's obviously a lot less than if you bought the stock here. I mean, it has the same setup as every one of these names today. Weakness of late, this is what Amazon has had, and right. frankly, Google. And if uh, you're betting that it will do the same thing, it's going to be big. Now, there's one that has faltered. It's Baidu, right, in this area. But it's, it's a standalone, and at this point, the better bet is that it's up. It is, you know, one thing, and, and maybe this is just my perception of it, uh -huh. but taking a look at this entire earnings season, it seems like, with the exception of maybe a Baidu, there's a handful of... of isolated incidents. But in general, it seems like the market is favoring tech here, regardless of how their earnings come out. The news is viewed more positively than it has. The bias is to the upside, which isn't true across every sector this earnings season. Yep. All right. Up next, the yield on the U.S. 10-year surging to its highest level since March this week. Despite the move, there's one rate-sensitive sector that's holding up very well. Plus, got a question for one of our traders. Send us a tweet to add Options Action. If it's a good one, we'll answer it in the show. More Options Action still ahead. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Back in September, Dan played for an Apple bounce. I want to look at a call butterfly. I want to look out to November expiration. It's going to catch all three of those events next week the launch of the device, and then their next earnings event where they're going to give guidance. So today when the stock was trading at 159, you could buy the November 160, 170, 180 call butterfly, paying $2 for that. Well, it has been a wild ride for the tech giant. The stock initially took a dive, but has since rallied back. We do have earnings next Thursday. So what are you doing, Dan? Yeah, so in light of, you know, Amazon becoming one of the biggest stocks in the world today, up 13%, the, the move that Google had, I, I don't think you want to be in a butterfly into this event anymore for the reasons that the stock has moved up here. It, this trade has appreciated a dollar. I'd actually take the profits, and I'd roll it into just a straight call spread. If these guys beat... Their estimates that they raised last quarter when they gave guidance and then beat again, especially given all the sentiment about um, supply for these iPhones and maybe demand for the iPhone 8. If they raise, this stock's going higher. It's just, it just is. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think you want to be in a structure like a butterfly. I think you'd want to be something in a call spread. So I'd take the profits and I'd roll it out into a call spread um, where it's just you're buying one call spread and you're selling a higher strike one. All right. Moving on. One month ago, Cohen Carter said that utilities were headed higher two ways I would draw the line. One, that we've kind of come back to support. Two, that we're on this trend line. But either way, I think you've got a pretty good chance of after this 5-6% sell-off in the XLU for a bounce here. I want to be long at this point. But I was just looking out to January to the 53 calls. You could spend about $1.45 for those. Those are the at-the-money calls. Well, since the time of the trade, the utilities have rallied slightly, and they've actually... Um, held up pretty well in the face of rising rates. So, Carter? Well, that's the bizarre thing, right? So we know that in the past uh, 30 days, rates have gone from 227 to 4.7. And in the period, a one-month period, utilities are up 3.7% more than the S&P. Um, I think that resilience is impressive, not so much for us, but what it says about this area of the market holding up in a move like that in the 10-year. I think we want to stay with it. You know, we bought this call for $1.45. It was worth over $2.50 today. And interestingly, you could buy the 55 strike calls for a little over $1.10. So what you should do here is actually sell this one 
buy the 55s. You've basically taken all the original risk off the table, and you're now long the 55 calls. So we're basically playing with house money. What would you do with this? If this chart didn't say XLU, it said something, anything tech-related or something that was kind of growthy, you'd be buying it for the breakout. I mean, yeah. it's a great-looking chart, and I think you guys have identified the potential headwinds of the trade is this, you know, this rate cycle, right, and that sort of thing. So to me, you know, um, I think Mike's rolling the trade makes sense and using the house's money. All right. Up next, tweets and the final call from the options pits. Welcome back to Options Action Time for some tweets. Our first fan asks, I bought Facebook November 3rd, 190 calls for 45 cents. What do you think, Dan? Uh, I think it's a really low probability bet. The options market is only saying there's a 13% probability that those are in the money. So it really depends on your conviction on this one. All right. Our next fan, Angelo, asks, with the pullback to the trend line in XBI, how do you feel about the January 90 calls? Thank you. Love Options Action. Thanks, Angelo. Mike? You know, tough week, obviously, with all the news that's come out, but I think you're looking at this the right way. You know, buying calls and something like that, at this point, if you're going to make a bullish bet, I think that's the way to play it. What's chart look? Just what Angelo said, perfect trend line, mm. uh, bounced beautifully. And in the night market right now, biotech is up, and all of those big names today, Google and they're all down. Yeah. yeah play the bounce. All right, time for the final call. Last word from the options. Pits, Carter. Oh, Viacom, I don't know. What do you do? Just get away from it, however you can. <laughs> Mike. Going into Baba, the options are expensive, so you want to use something like a call spread risk reversal where you're selling more options than you're buying. Dan. Yeah, Stardust. I'm not buying it into the print. I'm using defined risk, playing it in a contrarian way. All right, looks like our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. For more options action, check out the website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. Mad Money starts right now. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC.